0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler the Warning Podcast. This is review number 632 with our review of The Trial of the Chicago 7. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler the Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, this week, we are talking about a little film coming to a Netflix near you, um, and that is this film, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Um, once again, for like what feels like, the tenth week in a row. Uh, we have a ton of stuff that we're trying to get uh, recorded um, that will be you know trickled out in the feeds over time. Um, so we're gonna forego opening banner and we're just gonna dive into this review. Uh, so Steven, what do you say we get started?
1: Uh, I say yes we should get started, and I kinda miss the days of a weekend where we're like, should we do
0: La Yorona? <laughs>
1: like we had no idea <laughs> what was even coming out.
0: Uh yep. <laughs> Um, But yeah, so we are going to take a listen to the trailer for The Trial of Chicago 7, and then we're going to give you a review.
1: We want to underscore again that we're coming to Chicago peacefully, but whether we're given permits or not, we're coming. We're going to Chicago to protest the Vietnam War. There's no place to be right now but in it. We watched for a decade
0: while these rebels without a job tell us how to prosecute a war. Because they're going to spend their 30s in a federal facility, real time. People say, you know, Abby, are
1: you concerned about an overreaction from the cops? (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) You all right?
0: No words until I saw that. Are the people ready to make opening arguments? At the defense table, Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, Dave Dellinger, Rennie Davis, Lee Weiner, John Freunds, Tom Hayden, and Bobby Seale. These defendants had a plan, and the plan was to incite a riot. I call this portion of the trial with friends like these. (laughs) My trial's begun without my lawyer. The court assumes you are being represented by the Black Panther sitting behind you. The riots were started by the Chicago Police Department. Sustained. Nobody objected. Jurors 6 and 11, they're with us. Juror number 6 and juror number 11, you're dismissed from this jury. Can you tell us why? Because
1: this is my courtroom. We've dealt with jury tampering, wiretapping, a defendant
0: that was literally gagged. Get
1: your hands off
0: me. You're the first to suggest that I have discriminated against a black man. Then let the record show that I'm the second. When we walked in here this morning, they were chanting that the whole world is watching.
1: If we leave here without saying
0: anything about why we came in the first place, it'll be heartbreaking. The last summer, why did you come to the convention? To end the war. We're giving them exactly what they want: a stage and an audience. Yeah, you really think there's gonna be a big audience? Here. I am. This is what revolution looks like, real revolution. We may have to hurt somebody's feelings this prosecution politically
1: motivated? I'm tired of hearing you. It would be impossible for me to care any less what you
0: are tired of. Here I am! No there will be Take more! Time. No. No watching. We have to find some courage now. No no you know, how much is it worth to you? What's your price? To call off the revolution? My life your ass, cause a new day is the new day is dawning all, the world is all right so that was the trailer for the trial of the chicago 7 um, which is based on real events um, in which uh, seven people led different groups of people who came across state lines to um, like to basically do some pr- protesting out in front of the 1968 Democratic National Convention. And uh, they were all protesting the Vietnam War. Um, so, Stephen Miller, what did you think of this film?
1: Um, I feel like this film was extremely Aaron Sorkin, which means there it had things I really like and things that bother me. And it's kind of two different parts of my brain that have those responses. Um, so the the higher level part of my brain right like the the politically active one or whatever feels like this movie is very simplistic about historical events it makes things like very tidy and kind of cute it makes it so discourse like rhetoric becomes the most powerful thing in the world like a well-persuaded argument is more important than anything else and it yeah, like like it has things that when I'm watching it, I'm like, I don't even know the real story yet, but I know that this isn't how it happened. You know, just <laughs> by like. Yeah. In in there in particular, there is one scene involving a decision Joseph Gordon-Levitt makes. Uh, following, I mean, that Bobby Steele being bound and gagged is like one very famous thing from this trial. So I don't think that's a spoiler, but. There's a decision that happens after that moment that while I was watching it, I was like, there's no fucking way this is how that went down. <laughs> like, yeah. like there's absolutely no way. Um, so like the the political part of me or the part of me that cares about authenticity feels frustrated because it's like this is a very hairy situation with a lot of competing factors. And it feels like very, very, very ironed out to be clever and simple in the movie. But then the part of my brain that just goes nuts for Sorkin's dialogue went nuts for a ton of the dialogue in this movie. Um, Like, this is a movie that is very cleverly put together. Uh, It has snappy dialogue. The exposition doesn't feel grueling. Like, it it tells you a lot of stuff in a way that goes down pretty easily. And I, I think that is pretty incredible like the the way he managed to tell a story that like the the one sentence description of this, if you didn 't know about the sixty eight dNC protests, would mean nothing to you it 's like people were on trial for inciting riots in a protest in one thousand nine hundred and sixty eight and they, it was a very famous trial because anti-war activism was on the rise but Nixon had made, you know like it, it's convoluted when you try to describe it to people of like our generation who weren't around for that um, yeah. but the movie makes it go down incredibly easy like it it is very efficient in how it divvies out information um it, this has, like, kind of all-star cast. It's one of those movies where literally everyone is famous. When Like, at, every time a new person showed up, I'd be like, oh, it's Frank Langdell. Wow, I, I wasn't expecting him. Like, <laughs> there's always someone new. Um, I, I think Mark Rylance especially made me laugh when I saw him because it's like, this is not Mark Rylance's hair, but, like, you must have had a Spielberg connection or something because you got him. <laughs> um, and I, I think the all-star cast sometimes it works really well and other times it is distracting where it works well i think sasha baron cohen is really great in this movie um i think eddie redmayne is also really great in this movie they're kind of the two biggest archetypes of different versions of left activism in the 60s and i think they do a great job of being like they serve as archetypes while also seeming like real people, and I really, really, really enjoy when the movie pits them against each other, which is one of the main dynamics of the film. So they are both great. They are probably the number one and two reason to watch this movie. It's just that, uh, that back and forth. Um, others distracted me, like Jeremy Strong... Uh, I was joking to you off air that he was like Garth in Wayne's world. Like he just felt like he was, I know strong is like very method, at least what I've heard, but it seems like here his method was like just to become a stoner. Like there's something that felt way more comedic than the rest of the
0: movie. Um, (laughs) But I, but I think they they had a good dynamic though, right? Between him and saucer bear and Cohen. like, yeah,
1: the, the two of them together. Yeah.
0: Like Jeremy strong is what other people in that group see sasha baron cohen as right he is the actuality of what people want to say uh sasha baron cohen is but i feel like his character is a lot higher intellectual person than they let on and over the course of the film you kind of like get to see that but but i thought they were a good pairing because like one person is elevating the stereotype of that character and the other person is grounding that (laughs) i just thought that was a fun dynamic
1: it, it, it's a good comic duo, much like Wayne and Garth are a good comic duo. But he, I don't know. There, there were a few times where he just felt too much to me, or especially because he's asked to be serious as the movie goes on, and he doesn't lose that voice, <laughs> and, yeah. and that kind of <laughs> had a disconnect. Um, well, let's let's be I, honest.
0: A, a, everyone in this film is doing a voice for sure, and B, there's another film we're gonna review tonight. <laughs> Which also has weird voices in it and I oh, found yeah. the weird voices in this film much less distracting than in that one
1: Sure, I'll, I'll give you that uh, though. I feel like <laughs> only one of these is weird voice movie <laughs> like by intention But true, but anyway, I, I also thought and maybe this is a controversial opinion I mean, he's a you know, brilliant actor been in a million things but Frank Frank Langella as the judge I didn't buy him like what he was being asked to do. And this is kind of an example of the Sorkin heightening is I am sure the judge, uh, Julius Hoffman, was terrible. I'm sure he like the the history is there. He was criticized by a lot of people. The way he plays him here is like borderline senile and just overtly hateful (laughs) and ignorant, like in a way that I just didn't I didn't i don't know he didn't sell me on that character so yeah. there are things that work things that don't sometimes the recognizable actor is just a distraction to me like joseph gordon levitt being the prosecutor i don't really know why they did that because the prosecutor's role is not very not just not positive in this movie but like it isn't given a lot of weight in the movie so having it be like an incredibly handsome charismatic actor just seemed like it didn't I, I didn't know why some of these casting sto- choices just seemed like stunt casting. Um, but, but, but he uh, he's playing
0: like the, the he's the boy scout, right? Who sure. he is. He was on the wrong side, but he's trying to be on the wrong side in the good way. And right, he is, which like, is like
1: the Sorkin ideal, the West wing, like, <laughs> Hey, I'm on the other side, but I care a lot and I value free expression of ideas and debate. And I want to do the right thing. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Know, I, I, I don't know. So, Sometimes it's hit or miss, but I like like the just the facts about the case like this led me on a deep dive that lasted like an hour, hour and a half. Like I was learning about the Black Panther Party and the history of that, especially what happened, you know, in the decades that followed that tied in kind of nicely with like us learning about Malcolm X over the past few months. So that that was interesting to me and learning about like the yippies that uh, Abby Hoffman and uh Jerry Rubin like founded and what happened to that party steal this book like the famous book that Abby Hoffman wrote there, there are a lot of interesting avenues to go down here and i think the movie is a great introduction to it and it does give you a good sense of what that time was like and why this trial mattered it it just it didn't work for me as well as i wanted it to i felt like the the plot machinations and how simple it was like it irritated me occasionally, but I still was really glad that I watched it. So that, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm kind of like, damn it, Sorkin is doing his old Sorkinisms, and also fuck, they work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean I mean, so first thing to say is I had an incredible time watching this film. I think this film <laughs> is incredibly entertaining. That is a thing that I cannot deny anyone. Um, Who says it's entertaining and I would argue against anybody who says it's not entertaining Um, the question I struggle with is does that make this a good film Given the subject matter that this film is dealing with and the time the time that this film is coming out in Like this film started filming a year ago like it was supposed right. to start last of September and it ended up starting in October. It's like literally He started writing is,
1: it like 13 years ago. Oh it, yeah. This movie's sure. been sitting around forever.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the the idea of the film has been fitting, sitting around for what, forever, but like it it got pushed into motion within the last year, right? So it's 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 crazy to me that this film all about protests and and like how to deal with the people who are forming protests and what what to do when protests get out of hand and bad things happen like this film doesn't this film is not concerned with the results of this trial at least that's the impression that i get like this film literally ends before sentencing happens <laughs> like,
1: yeah. and it like, doesn't it, show you the verdict it leapfrogs the verdict to show you sentencing <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah. it basically it, it shows you a title card that explains the result of the verdict um which is an incredibly strange thing to do so so i like Watching it, I was like, this film is so fucking fun. (laughs) Like, I am so stoked to be watching this film. But I also thought, like, why is this film getting made? And what is the purpose of this treatment of this story? Because, like, I mean, I I feel this way about a lot of biopics, but I think this sorkin <laughs> picture is more guilty of it where it's like clearly he has a lot of knowledge about stuff and he expects me as the viewer to also already have all this knowledge and understand the weight of everything but i don't have that <laughs> which is yeah. my my fault for not knowing the history but it's like i'm watching a film and i Everything about the the trial itself and how it's taking place, I can understand because it's taking place in real time, and i'm with the people who are there but i don't really understand what the prosecution even has like we get mm-hmm. like really we get one piece of evidence that is added later in the trial that's a you know it's a, that's that's potentially a big thing, like aha, yeah. there's one piece of evidence, but besides that there's not really. Like the judge is doing most of the prosecuting in this film, and right. it, it brings me back to like I I don't know if you or anybody listening ever watched the show Boston Legal, <laughs> uh, which was a spinoff of The Practice. Um, I, I I loved The Practice, and I I I loved um, I loved Boston Legal as well. Boston Legal was was like it was a spinoff of The Practice where James Spader and William Shatner <laughs> were were lawyers, and they just like took on like, wild cases and, like, did crazy arguments. And William Shatner was playing, like, an old man who was, like, getting... Basically, William Shatner was the judge in this film. (laughs) But he was also a lawyer um, who did, like, wild swings in the courtroom and stuff. Um, But, like, I I enjoy that back and forth and watching people argue in a courtroom. That is entertaining. And that's what I love about this film. But I don't really Mm. know what this film is trying to say. Like, there's literally a scene where... Eddie Redmayne stands up and says something in back at their little home base where they're like talking about the courtroom. And I was like, Oh, Aaron Sorkins, Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> yep. and, and I was like, Okay, cool, gotcha. And then He is. Um, I mean,
1: he's the like the clean cut, moderate left, like trying to push the boundaries but also respectable like he's totally the the aaron sorkin character
0: yeah yeah but but it was in the middle of a scene where he was giving a gotcha line and then this weekend i saw people passing around on twitter that that exact line was used in the newsroom um so Mm -hmm. i was like oh okay yeah that's funny but then right after that sasha baron cohen gets gets an answer back to him which felt like that felt like suddenly new like i'm like okay cool so you're you're able to write the other side of that coin, right? Um, so so I, I liked what was happening in this film while I watched it, but I still don't feel like I learned a lot and I don't really know what the th- thesis is of this film because Aaron Sorkin wants to have this ending that is a very Aaron Sorkin ending where there's a grand gesture, right. which doesn't actually have anything to do with the trial, um, right? which, which I'll, I'll cop to it. I teared up because I'm a sucker for that shit. No, I I was going
1: to say the same thing. That that ending crystallizes the contradiction to me of Aaron Sorkin, which is I felt like it didn't fit like the movie, you know, if they were protesting the war, right? That was the reason for the DNC protests. But the movie has not been building to anti-war sentiment as the primary objective of the movie. The movie isn't talking yeah. about that even. The movie is talking about police brutality, about abuses of the law, about the way that the government tries to tamp down on protests. Ending the way that it does is like... It, it It's like a tearful monologue was brought in from a different movie, but it still fucking worked And while I was watching it, I was like I hate that this is working on me because I think this is kind of stupid Yeah, um, yeah,
0: but like for, for one of the things that annoys me though is like Like I'm not a big proponent of war Um, I don't think it's the greatest thing in the world. I never have but but also mm-hmm. outside of Wars bad. We shouldn't do it all the time Nothing in this film explains why people don't want the Vietnam war Vietnam war to be happening. Like it's it starts with a bunch of people saying like they're not stopping it, so we're going to go <laughs> we're going to go protest mm-hmm. and it's kind of like we're 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 entering in the middle of them all trying to cross state lines for this protest, but nobody at all every single character all seven of these guys (laughs) in the trial at one point in time say we're trying to stop the war but nobody says why um and i mean i
1: I think defy Bloods* does more in the first like 10 minutes to explain it than this whole movie does
0: oh yeah for sure and that's one of the things we talked about in that episode and that's one of the things i was like shit i've never seen this (laughs) before in a vietnam Mm -hmm. war movie like this is incredible um but in this it kind of just it bugged me that like Nobody has a real argument for everything. They're saying things about the idea of having an argument, but nobody says what the argument is. And there is one there is there's is one sense about watching this film where you're like, "Oh, they just don't want to be draft dodgers, so they're protesting the war." <laughs> right? Like 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 there's not there's not a good explana- explanation other than like people don't want to be drafted into war. Um so I I I would like to see more people actually talking and convincing because everybody was just kind of like, cool, let's go to this protest because, because, um, and then people saying like, I'm trying to stop the war. Uh, And it just, it didn't, it didn't feel like I was being, not that I wanted to be taught anything, but like, I want to know what the thesis of your film is. And as far as I can tell, there isn't really a thesis in this film. And that, that sort of makes me wonder what I'm watching and why I'm watching it.
1: Right. Well and I think the interesting thing about this movie is and I don't know how it originated and how much changed over the last couple of years because you know the the BLM protests hit their peak this year, but you know, for for the last few years, like there have been rising protests and the narrative has been coming. So I, I can imagine Aaron Sarkin trying to latch onto that. Yeah. Whatever it started as, I think now it isn't really a like courtroom drama so much as a drama about the rhetoric that comes from courtroom dramas and a drama about the rhetoric about protest. Like it, it's like, a, it isn't about what it's about. Like, and that is the Sorkinism of it is like, it is about the way people talk about and think about things. So it, in this it, case, the movie, people were protesting Vietnam and I'm sure in, you know, the late sixties, early seventies, a movie made about it would be very much about Vietnam. Now it is only really about like, Here is the dynamic of protest, and I think some of it feels very prescient because history repeats itself, right? Like we had like it was the Democratic National Convention and the left was protesting because they were not happy with the choices that were given to them. They felt like, you know, the country had settled on someone that wasn't enough change like that obviously has been a thing that people have felt in the past few (laughs) years as well. the narrative around riots and who is to blame and whether just because people are passionate and breaking the law that should justify escalation by the police. Like all of that is kind of interesting, but I I do feel like the movie is more about here is, here's how different people think about these things. I'm going to give you a clue as to who you should support, but I'm not really going to say anything or take a hard line. Like the, the key pivot point in this movie in the trial involves someone basically saying hey what i was agitating for wasn't as extreme as what you thought i was agitating for which is like not the same thing as saying here's why angry people riot you know it's kind of like uh, it's not my fault that people got angry (laughs) and rioted," um (laughs) and and that is all kind of like mealy mouth to me like it's very like have your cake and eat it too of wanting to be like on the side of protest, but not wanting to actually voice why people would protest, um, which makes it weird. And again, I, I don't want to just keep saying the name of the writer director too much, but it is all very Aaron Sorkin. Like he loves the, you know, you go back to like the West wing or something. It's all like, or newsroom, of course, it's all like, how do you talk about things? How do you debate things? How do you spin stuff? How do people emotionally react? And who is going to be the voice of like, no, let me tell you what this really means. And it, it's very fun to watch that stuff, but it doesn't add up to anything, you know, it's just kind of like fun to watch. And that that's how I felt here. Um, there's also some stuff that felt even without knowing the real story, it just felt anachronistic. Like, like there's a line early in the movie w- in the courtroom because Bobby Seal is there, right? There's seven people and Bobby Seal, and... We know people who know the history at least know that Bobby Seal will eventually be separated from this trial um, but a way someone argues for it is by saying you 'll see people outside talking about the Chicago Seven, but you 'll count eight of us in here, and that 's because Bobby Seal is not even represented by us, but really, as far as I can tell, like the name Chicago Seven was because he left the trial. It wasn't like people were talking about the Chicago 7 before the trial began. <laughs> like, it, There's these cute things that like he does just to... Like,
0: it, it was the Chicago 8. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't know. There, there's little ahistorical like, things, and I do think it doesn't really know what it wants to say, but it, it also felt like a good kind of mirror of the current moment, just like Aaron Sorkin playing with ideas people are talking about. So I... I couldn't dismiss it, but I also don't totally get it.
0: Yeah, but I think that's what bugs me. I think that's the thing that did bug me is it is him playing with the visuals of right now, but he doesn't seem to be commenting on them. Like, there is, hmm. there is not a single person in this film, including the lawyers in the trial, who... Even state that you are allowed to assemble and to protest and that that is like a right as a citizen of the the United States. Like nobody makes that argument. Nobody does. So really, Mm -hmm. all the thing comes down to is did the police start it or did we start it? And that is the only thing that's 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 an argument in this film, which makes no sense. (laughs) It's like there was a film. Recently that involved oh yeah it, it was our our review yet to be published of um uh something something pieces of a woman um oh yeah in, in which there there's a there's a whole trial that takes years place ago when we recorded that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there there's there's an entire courtroom that is that is having a trial where no no evidence is 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 shown at all, no evidence just yeah. people people arguing that like well, I guess people shouldn't have died. <laughs> It's just, I I don't, I don't, that, that kind of stuff. Like I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an expert on law at all, but I have watched a lot of law programs and I'm pretty sure in court you argue evidence, (laughs) right?
1: Yeah. Not, not here. And all of like, the thing is part of it. Like, I I think what Aaron Sorkin wants to say is less about our right to protest and more about the way that, like, big power structures can try to suppress it or try to spin things. And so he's focusing all his attention on, like, look, look at all these low blows that the prosecution did. Look at all these unfair things like this judge that is throwing out clearly important information. You know, look at how. These people, even some of them who didn't do anything, are still being put on trial, and we're supposed to be outraged about that. And i I get that. It just feels kind of pathetic. Like, like I would kind of like the movie to say, by the way, even if Eddie Redmayne did say, like, b- blood will be spilled on the streets, that doesn't mean the cops are not all like to blame for escalating it for like, yeah. it could have taken a harder line and it doesn't want to, it wants to be like, Hey, there's the angry mob. We can't do anything about them. We all really just tried to calm them down. The end, <laughs> which is, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's like too palatable. I, I like, I, I didn't like that. It didn't try to be more uncomfortable mm-hmm. about that.
0: Yep. Yeah, agree. agree. Um, I will say I, it never got old for me. There's a repeated gag in the film in which somebody will make a good point in the courtroom, a good, as I said, not evidence-based point, but a good emotional point. And then just all seven of the guys just go overruled <laughs> <laughs> because they know the judge is going to overrule it. That that never yeah. got old to me. It just every time I laughed out loud. <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it's another thing I loved about the, the Sasha. And I will say, even though I didn't love whatever Jeremy Strong was doing in this movie, the Sasha-Jeremy Strong pairing was great, like, when they are together making a point. And that, yeah. one, that was one of my favorite parts of the movie.
0: Cool. Um. Yeah, any any last thoughts about this film, Stephen? No,
1: I mean, spoiler for my rating, like, I think it's still worth you watching it. Like, it it's fun, <laughs> it's fun enough. <laughs> but it is worth reading up afterwards, too, because you can trace all these different groups and see, like where did they come from and what happened to them? And I think that is an interesting kind of primer for like counterculture movements of the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Spoiler, a lot of them started in Berkeley. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm not surprised, Stephen. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, Stephen already tipped his hat a little bit. Let's go ahead and get to verdicts officially. Stephen Miller, if you're going to say must see, reckon with a caveat, wait for until pass with a caveat or a must avoid, what would you give it?
1: Uh, I'm doing recommend with caveat for this one. Um, The caveat is that, like, I don't think this builds too much. And I kind of think given our current political moment, it is a little too toothless. And it's like purposely ambiguous about what its point is, because the, the Aaron Sorkin, his real point is everyone should be reasonable and listen to each other and make compelling arguments. And he kind of like goes in circles beyond that when it comes to actually like staking out like a position um, the recommend because I do think it is very entertaining. It's like a, a cast of famous actors who are playing like a varied group of people and they all kind of represent a different part of the sixties and seventies that I'm just a sucker for that time period in movies in general. Like, I don't know why I just love when movies are set then. And like, I, I found it totally interesting and it was a good launching point for learning more on my own. Just not what it could have been. I think.
0: Yeah, um, I'm going to give it a reckon of the caveat as well. I had an immensely fun time with this film. Like I thought it was incredibly entertaining. I loved every second of it. Um, but as I was loving it, I was like, what and why am I watching this? <laughs> um, so that is the thing. That, that's the caveat. You got to reckon with that. Um, but yeah, I, I it's, it's definitely worth a watch and it's free on Netflix if you have that. So technically not free, but um, go ahead, put it on, have a good time. But I will say this, like... There is more actual information to be gained from the title cards at the end of the film. However, those title cards, they're there because in biopics or or films depicting historical events, you put title cards. There's nothing specifically relevant, I don't think, yeah. to any of those title cards. They're just like, and then this happened one time way late, 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 late in the future. But
1: there aren't even eight of them, which bothered yeah.
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It it really feels like it, it could have been like, and then, late, five years later, he got a snow cone. <laughs> like it, <laughs> it might as well be that. Um, but I guess just Aaron Sorkin took his favorite characters and and yeah, gave specifically them
1: a, like the the future of Abby Hoffman. Like trying to draw a line from this trial to that thing that happened in the late eighties is like, come
0: on, come on, why yeah. are you
1: doing this? <laughs>
0: Um, but yeah, that is our review of the trial of the Chicago seven, Stephen Miller, people want to find you throughout the week. Where can they do that?
1: Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash miller or
0: com. People can find me at Christopher in real life.com or twitter.com slash Christopher You can find the podcast over at the spoilerwarning.com com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash facebook.com slash or instagram.com slash the If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at the or you can use the contact form on our site. The music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to the trial of the Chicago seven. So hopefully you're enjoying that. And uh, yep, as we said at the top of this episode, we have a bunch more things to record. So we're going to head out and go do that. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you next time.
1: Bye.